Welcome to the podcast from Gateway Baptist Church. You're listening to a message from our Mackenzie campus. Find us at gatewaybaptist.com.au if you'd like to connect with us as we seek to change lives by following Jesus in our community, our nation and our world. This week when I was looking up our, our hashtag and checking out some stories of salvation, you will never guess what I came across at hashtag Israel stories of salvation. Watch the screen. Hi everybody, Moses here. Uh, I've just been encouraged uh, recently to share my story of salvation and I thought I'd share it with you guys uh, today. So, weird thing happened. I was uh, out in the bush looking after my father's sheep when one day I stumbled across a bush that was on fire that didn't burn up. No idea what happened, but God came and he spoke to me through it, told me to go to Egypt and set his people free. So I uh, went to Egypt, told him, told Pharaoh and said, hey, God says to set his people free. He said, get stuffed. I said, all right. And then God sent a whole bunch of plagues. I'm talking frogs, locusts, rivers of blood. Uh, he even uh, eventually sent a plague of death because Pharaoh just wouldn't let his people go. And so uh, when that happened, we put some blood on the doors and everything was okay for us Israelites. But uh, Pharaoh lost his firstborn son and then told us to leave. And so we did, but we got stuck at the Red Sea God parted the Red Sea, and then uh, we walked through on the other side, crushed the Egyptians, got into the desert. We've been wandering around aimlessly, walking towards the promised land. But I tell you what, my folks, they just won't stop complaining, even though God's been bringing them manna, bringing them all of the good things. But uh, anyway, here's me in the desert, real arid behind me, real dry. But um, that's me, I'm Moses, and this is my story of salvation. You just didn't realise what a weirdo Moses was with significant beard issues, did you? But we all know how quickly news spreads on social media and it wasn't long before Moses' father-in-law Jethro, who was a priest for the Midianites, heard of Moses' story and how God had saved the Israelites from the Egyptians. He'd obviously come across hashtag Israel stories of salvation. And knowing that you can never fully trust what you hear on social media, Jethro decided he needed to come and pay Moses a visit and find out if this story was indeed true. So Jethro rocks up in the desert, meets with Moses, and they stay up all night as Moses unpacks this story, this awesome story of how God has saved him and his people. Now, just a little bit of history for you. We read in Genesis 25 that uh, being a Midianite, Jethro was actually a descendant of Abraham. After Sarah passed away, Abraham took another wife. Her name was Keturah. And she had a whole bunch of sons that I'm not even going to try and pronounce. But in the middle there, you'll see Midian. And Jethro was a descendant of Midian. So while this genealogy shows that Jethro was a descendant of Abraham, he wasn't actually part of the chosen line of Isaac and Jacob. Now as a whole, the Midianites worshipped all gods, any god, any idol. But this doesn't actually seem to be the case for Jethro because he was the priest for the Midianites. So the implication is that he had somehow, sometime in his life, 
come to know Jesus. He would have had an understanding, sorry, God. He would have had an understanding of God because of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. But at some point, he's come into an understanding of who God is. And when we get to Exodus 18, we see that this is even more so. When he reacts to Moses' story, it's like God opens a whole new door for him in understanding the deliverance of Israel from Egypt. Verse 9, Jethro was delighted to hear about all the good things the Lord had done for Israel in rescuing them from the hand of the Egyptians. He said, "'Praise be to the Lord.'" who rescued you from the hand of the Egyptians, and a Pharaoh who rescued the people from the hand of the Egyptians. Now I know that the Lord is greater than all other gods, for he did this to those who had treated Israel arrogantly. You know, we see here the power of telling stories. Jethro couldn't argue with Moses' story because it was his story. His first-hand experience in the power of God at work, a faithful and loving God who saved them. And the proof was right in front of Jethro. Here was the Israelites, safe from the Egyptians, looked after and well in the desert. Moses' story was a powerful witness to Jethro in helping him understand to an even greater level the depth of the power and love of God for his people. See, Jethro had a fresh revelation of God through Moses' story. Verse 11. Now I know that the Lord is greater than all other gods. You know what? If I had doubted before, if I'd seen these idols and worshipped other gods, if I had doubted before... Because of your story, Moses, now I know that the Lord is greater than all other gods. For he did this to those who had treated Israel arrogantly. See, just like Moses, our story of God at work in our lives is powerful because it helps others to understand the character of God for themselves. And I need you to understand this morning that your story, your story is powerful. Your story will encourage others that they're not alone. It'll help others to understand the power of God at work in every circumstance that they walk through. We need to be sharing our stories and celebrating the good things that God has done and is doing in our lives. And I don't just mean on social media. We need to be continually telling of the good things that God is doing. And you know what? The worst that could happen, people might think you're a little bit weird, but that's okay. Because maybe, just maybe, God will use your story to point others to him. Just like he did for Jethro. Your story is powerful to help others see God. People's response is not up to us. We need to understand that. 
That's actually up to God. It's just up to us to be faithful in sharing our story. He will do the rest. Are you telling your story? Well, after a great night storytelling, Moses gets up the next day and goes about business as usual. Listen to this for a job description. Verse 13. The next day, Moses took his seat to serve as judge for the people. And they stood around him from morning till evening. Put your hand up in the room this morning if you are an introvert. Is this job not the worst thing that you could possibly imagine? I am way down the end of the extrovert scale and this is my worst nightmare. Imagine having whinging, whining people around you all day just demanding things of you. How frustrating. Some of you are probably thinking already about the person you sit next to work and think, I already am. Maybe some of you are thinking about children that are over in that building and just enjoying an hour and a half of not having whinging, whining people around you all day. But whatever you're imagining, times that by a few million and you've got Moses' average day at work. And like all good father-in-laws, when Jethro sees what is happening for Moses, he's got something to say about it. Now, I don't know about you and whether you would take advice from your father-in-law. I love my father-in-law. He's a very lovable, godly man. But I'm not sure I would take advice for him, from him on healthy eating habits for my children. What you don't know about my father-in-law, and I'm going to let you in on a little secret, is that when each of his grandchildren turned one, he seriously thought this was a good age to introduce them to the joys of Coke and McDonald's. Healthy eating habits is not something I'm going to go to my father-in-law for advice on. But Moses obviously had a great deal of respect for Jethro. Maybe because he does respect the wisdom of the older generation. I keep trying to tell Jason how important that is to respect the wisdom of your elders, namely me. Unfortunately, that's where he always seems to develop selective hearing. No other time, but right then. But Moses did respect Jethro and he listens to his wisdom. See, it doesn't matter what generation we are a part of. We can help the next generation learn from our experiences, our wisdom, and probably most importantly, from our mistakes. This is what happens uh, for Moses and Jethro. When his father-in-law saw all that Moses was doing for the people, he said, what is this you're doing for the people? Why do you alone, everybody say alone, significant word in here, why do you alone sit as judge while all of these people stand around you from morning till evening? Moses answered him, well, because the people come to, to me to seek God's will. 
Whenever they have a dispute, it's brought to me. And I decide between the parties and inform them of God's decrees and instructions. See, Moses had to, lived in a time where he had to intercede on the people's behalf to God. We actually live in a privileged time this side of the cross where we don't need anybody else to mediate for us between us and God. We can come to him because of Jesus anytime, anywhere that we want. We can come into his presence. The people of Israel didn't have that kind of direct access to God. They had to come through Moses. Now, Jethro watches what Moses is doing and like all good father-in-laws, he just says it bluntly and truthfully from what he's observed. Verse 17, Moses' father-in-law replied, what you are doing is not good. Tell us what you really think, Jethro. You and these people who come to you will only wear yourselves out. The work is too heavy for you. You cannot handle it alone. Listen now to me and I will give you some advice. And may God be with you. Now what Jethro is saying when he says, may God be with you, he's saying, listen to my advice, but then take it to God. So don't just trust my advice, but take it to God. And if he agrees with me, listen to my advice. You must be the people's representatives representative before God and bring their disputes to him. Teach them his decrees and instructions and show them the way they are to live and how they are to behave. But select capable men from all the people, men who fear God, trustworthy men who hate dishonest gain and appoint them as officials over thousands, hundreds, fifties and tens. Have them serve as judges for the people at all times but have them bring every difficult case to you. The simple cases, they can decide themselves. That will make your load lighter because they will share it with you. If you do this and God so commands, you will be able to stand the strain and all these people will go home satisfied. Moses listened to his father-in-law and did everything that he said. He chose capable men from all Israel and made them leaders of the people, officials over thousands, hundreds, fifties and tens. They served as judges for the people at all times. The difficult cases they brought to Moses, but the simple ones, they decided themselves. Then Moses sent his father-in-law on his way and Jethro returned to his own country. Thank you for the advice, father-in-law. Now please go home. It's actually really easy to poke fun at uh, the father-in-law. But Jethro actually had some really good advice for Moses that I think we need to take heed of this morning. We can't do it alone. Just like Moses, we can't do it alone. We might not have millions of people desperately needing something from us, but we do live in a generation that prides itself with being busy. There are so many demands on our time and energy, family, work, friendships, ministries, leisure. If we're not busy, we feel guilty. 
everything operates at such a fast pace that we're just scrambling to keep up. We get caught up in busyness. And when we're busy, we tend to withdraw from people. We start to isolate ourselves from community because we don't have the time and we don't have the energy that it takes. And before we know it, we're feeling alone. Busyness breeds loneliness. See, the busier we get, the lonelier we tend to become. Relationships get squeezed out. Busyness or loneliness are not part of God's plan for our lives. We're in the middle of a global epidemic of loneliness and fear. Anxiety and depression rates just keep going up. Burnout is rampant because we struggle to know how to care well for ourselves in the short term to go well for the long term. Busyness never leads to our gain, but it always leads to pain. Moses found himself in the same situation. He sat alone in his responsibilities. So caught up in the busyness and feeling the burden of meeting everybody else's needs that I don't think he realised that he was on a fast track to burnout. Maybe he was even enjoying the spotlight, the view from the top and the feeling of being important in his position. When I look at Moses, I realise how quickly he had forgotten that he couldn't do it alone. If he was to win the battle, he actually needed others around him. See, not long before, if we go back to chapter 17, we see that in the midst of battle, in the midst of physical pain that carried significant consequences, then Moses recognised his need for others around him to help him carry the burden, literally. He felt the physical pain and he knew that he needed help. See, the Amalekites had come to attack the Israelites and so Moses tells Joshua, go and organise an army. Choose some of our men and go and fight the Amalekites. Tomorrow I will stand on top of the hill with the staff of God in my hands. So Joshua fought the Amalekites as Moses had ordered and Moses, Aaron and Hur went to the top of the hill. Now, as long as Moses held up his hands, the Israelites were winning. But whenever he lowered his hands, the Amalekites were winning. Winning, losing. Willing, losing. Winning, losing. When Moses' hands grew tired, which you can imagine they must have, they took a stone and put it under him and he sat on it. Aaron and her held his hands up, one on one side and one on the other, so that his hands remained steady till sunset. So Joshua overcame the Amalekite army with the sword. See, Moses knew that he couldn't do it alone and he needed help. And those that were standing next to him could see that he needed their help. It was obvious to all of them 
that if they were going to win the battle that they were in, Moses needed the help from others because the physical pain and burden was real. Aaron and her helped to carry the load because Moses wouldn't have lasted the distance by himself and Israel would have been defeated. The pain was obvious, and trust me, it's obvious even now. (laughs) I can't do this. Um, And the seriousness of the consequences was obvious if Moses lowered his hand. Moses needed the help of others around him to win the battle. And guess what? We need others to hold us up if we're going to win the battle that we're into. And trust me, we're all in a battle. The trouble is that we often don't realise that we need help until it's too late. Sure, when there's physical pain, it's usually obvious that we need help from others. But what about the emotional pain that we carry? The pain of loss, Broken relationships, loneliness, fear, depression, anxiety, busyness, the pain of busyness. We can do a really good job of hiding what we're not coping with. You know, we're really good at putting on our Sunday faces as we walk through those doors and pretend that we've come with the perfect family into God's community. And our culture just keeps speaking to this far too often. We're seen as weak if we admit that we're not coping. Everybody else can do this. I should be able to as well. I'll be letting others down if I don't keep going. Busyness makes me feel important. Whatever it is, we can too often find ourselves like Moses so caught up on the treadmill that we don't recognise or we can't admit the signs of loneliness and depression, anxiety, ultimately burnout until it's too late. A few years ago, that was actually me. I kept turning up with the perfect Sunday family A number of overwhelming uh, situations, health circumstances had happened in our family and in some of our friends' families. Work at the time was overwhelming and suddenly I found myself struggling to cope emotionally. But I kept turning up with a smile on my face. You would never have known what I was going through. But just when I was at the tipping point, bordering on on burnout and definitely anxiety and a whole lot of uh, depression in there, I actually got up the courage to ask a few trusted friends to pray for me and for my family during that period. And I know that that community of faithful prayers helped carry us through that season. When I didn't have the strength myself, when I felt like I didn't have anything left they fought the battle for me 
They prayed up an army for me. And this was actually quite a literal experience for me because there was one day when I was walking uh, down a hospital corridor towards an appointment, and it was a long corridor. And I had just sent a message to my prayers to pray for me. I had nothing. But as I was walking down that corridor, God gave me such a clear picture of an army in V formation behind me, an army of angels walking that corridor with me. And in my mind's eye, what I could see was them just wielding their swords as we walked down that corridor together. And you might think that as we got there and we got to the appointment, that meant it was the best appointment ever. In fact, it was the worst. It was a hard appointment. But all the time as I sat in that room... I could see the angels fighting on my behalf. I knew that my army of prayers was there fighting for me. It was a literal army that they prayed up for me. And I knew that victory was coming, not because that appointment was great, but because God had given me that picture and assured me that he was fighting this battle for me. But you know what? They didn't just uh, pray up an army for me and, and support me in a spiritual sense. They carried me in a physical sense as well. I went for nine weeks not having to cook a single meal. They picked me up for appointments. They cared for me in whatever way they could by praying and by carrying me physically. I used to often say that they were my Aaron and her during that season, they helped me to carry a burden when I didn't have the strength to do it myself. And I know I couldn't have gotten through that season without them. But here's the clincher. I actually had to have the courage to put up my hand and say I needed help. Because nobody else would have known. I needed people around me to help, help hold me up during that season. And you know what that did for others when I put up my hand and asked for help? I found it actually gave others permission to put their hand up and say, I need help too. I'm not doing okay. See, God wants us to be a community that carries one another's burdens, that puts their hand up and says, I need help. Galatians 6 verse 2 says it perfectly. Carry each other's burdens and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. And just as there have been times in my life when I've needed others to help carry the burdens that I'm walking with, there's actually been times where I've needed to be there for other people and help carry their burdens, to be a Jethro to others. And so often we find, don't we, that God uses what we walk through to help others, to speak wisdom into other people's situations and to pray on their behalf from what we've learned of God and his character. And Paul says that as we do this, we're fulfilling the law of Christ. What is the law of Christ? If we go back to John, 
13, Jesus says, a new command I give you. Love one another. Love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. I've I've asked my friend Mel to just come up and share briefly this morning uh, some of her story with us. And I don't get her up here to elevate either her or myself, but it's such a great example of how God calls us to walk alongside each other and carry each other's burdens. Thank you, Mel. When I first met Susan quite a few years ago now, my family was going through a really, really difficult time. I was overwhelmed, I was terrified, it just everything felt dark and I just could not see God at all and I felt very, very alone. But God is so faithful. He gave me the courage and the strength to confide in Susan and not only was she able to pray and support me, but she could speak into our situation directly from her own experience. As only God could do, he brought us together at exactly the right time. So Susan loved us through some of the most difficult things we've ever been through. And now, by the grace of God, I get to walk alongside her in women's ministry. And I still can't believe that I now get the joy of sharing the journey with other women. Yeah. God is good. I had no idea when Mel asked me to pray for her that this would be the journey that we're on. But as God enabled me to help carry her burdens... Mel turns up every Thursday to bless me and to bless our women's community here at Gateway out of the healing journey that she's been on. And I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful. And I love just seeing how you are stepping up and the courage that he's giving you and the capacity in growing your leadership in that space. Would you thank Mel for me? Sometimes it's not that difficult. But we need each other if we're going to win the battles that we face. We can do it for the males that reach out to us for prayer and support. The ones that God brings across our path. And maybe right now you're sitting in a really busy season of of work. Relationships are difficult. You might be studying kids, family, life just feels overwhelming and you're at breaking point. Is your busyness isolating you? Are you putting up your hand for help? Are you allowing others to hold your hands up so that you can win the battle that you're facing right now? We actually need to give ourselves permission to put her hand up and ask for help and not see it as a sign of weakness. You know, I love being part of a Christian community that we can do that for each other. But the most ultimate example of holding hands up was Jesus who died on the cross for us. And he came to carry such a heavy burden on our behalf. He came to carry the burden of our sin and our pain and our brokenness. It wasn't others that held his hands up, but those two nails pierced into his hands and the choice that he made to carry our burdens for us. See, we not only have 
community, but we also have Jesus that we can come to with our burdens and with our pain and know that he is going to carry them. He is going to welcome us into his loving family. And we need to be doing that for each other too. We need to be vulnerable and putting our hands up and welcoming others in because God never called us to do life alone. It wasn't his intention for Adam right back in the beginning. See, when God created Eve, he said, it's not good for man to be alone. I will create a suitable helper for him. Jethro says to Moses, you can't do it alone. Paul said to the Galatians, carry one another's burdens. Love one another. In fact, the more you read God's word, the more we realize that God never intended us to live in isolation. Yet in a society that is more connected than ever before, connection is instantaneous. We're actually going through a worldwide epidemic of loneliness. It's so epidemic that a few weeks ago in the Courier-Mail, there was an article addressing this issue. There's some stats that they presented that are going to go up on the screen, and this is some of what they said. The epidemic is so concerning that there have been calls for a federal minister for loneliness, which have the support of the Australian Medical Association. The number of people living alone in Australia has skyrocketed, while family breakdowns are also on the rise. The loss of neighbourhood, connection and community gatherings, such as attending church, I can't believe they even recognised that, is also having an effect well, it's all, which is all leading to a health crisis. It's a serious issue and needs recognition. Life has changed so much that even 20-year-olds report feeling lonely. In the past, young people were often in a relationship in their 20s, but now it's a lot older. People who are working in big offices surrounded by co-workers are lonely. We don't connect like we used to. Messages are sent via phones and computers. Add to that the increasing aged population. And I would suggest that by 2020, we will be facing a very serious problem of isolation, loneliness, and possibly depression that we are not prepared for. secular article, not a Christian, and yet our loneliness in our society has become epidemic that even she has recognised our need to do something about it, to combat the isolation that our society is experiencing. See, Jethro could see the need for Moses to divide the people into communities that supported each other and helped to carry the load. And as Moses listened to Jethro's advice, he divided them into different size communities and he put others in charge of those communities. And it's the first time that we see God organise a nation into congregations beyond the family unit with leaders to care for them. 
And we can see God's plan for us to be communities of people where we are practically able to care for one another and carry each other's burdens. Today, we need communities beyond the family unit to care for one another. And as a church, we have a significant role to play in this situation to combat this epidemic of loneliness. We might not be able to carry the burden for hundreds, but we can for 10 in a life group. We might not have wisdom for everyone, but we can speak into the generations below us from our experience. It's one of the privileges of being part of a community like this. We can stand alongside the ones that come to us and just say, I need prayer, I need some help in this season. We are surrounded in this place by generations of godly people with the wisdom of experience. Are you willing to put your hand up? See, Jethro was able to give Moses a new perspective and the capacity to see the bigger picture. And it helped to set him up for success and to last the distance. We can do that for other people. There's power in community for the people that we live, work and laugh with. As we share our stories, we're going to be pointing people to Jesus. We'll win battles when people come to this community and through those doors and they see a group of people who love each other and carry each other's burdens. They'll find a community where they know it's okay to say, I'm not doing well. I need help. It's okay to say, I need others to hold my hands up. I don't know about you, but I want us to be that kind of community. And it's so countercultural. But if we want to see our community flourish, if we want to see revival come to our nation, we need people to see something different in us that they are not getting out there. Something that meets the longing of their heart, helps to carry the burdens that they are walking with right now. A place where they feel belonging and loneliness disappears. We need to be that kind of community. I'm going to ask the band to come up this morning. There's three things that I want to encourage you with this morning. Maybe right now you're struggling. You're in a really difficult season right now and uh, you haven't put your hand up and you're struggling. I know that isolation is the easy option and community can feel too hard. Fear often stops us from turning to others. Fear of facing the battle that's before us can isolate us. It's actually easier to withdraw than move towards the community that we should be moving towards. I'll tell you what, we use a heck of a lot of energy running from what we should actually be running towards because we're too scared to face it. But if you're going to win the battle 
that you are in right now rather than running and giving up you actually need to be putting your hand up and saying I need help because your victory your victory I believe this is a word for somebody struggling in the midst of the battle here this morning hear this your victory is on the other side of that fear don't let fear stop you from running towards community don't let fear stop you from putting your hand up and saying I need help because your victory is on the other side of that fear run towards it but don't do it alone Gather people around you to support you and to carry you through that season. Join a life group. Stay for ice cream Sunday. Go and find your section community. Connect with others. Don't walk out of here in isolation because it's the easy option. just want to challenge you. Your victory is on the other side of what you're scared the most of this morning. And God doesn't intend for us to be in the battle alone. So let's make sure that we're putting our hand up and saying we need help. Secondly, I know that community can feel messy and it can be inconvenient for us at times. But can I encourage you, invite other people into your life. I can't imagine where I'd be right now if I hadn't invited Mel into my life and allowed what she was walking through disrupt my world. But I'm so grateful. Share your life with people. Share your life with people who are lonely. Be a Jethro to others. Be someone who welcomes the lonely in and lets them know that they are loved and they are valued. Encourage them in the faith and help them grow. Look for the generations that are below you, whatever your age, that you can encourage and share the wisdom that you have gained from your experiences. And thirdly, I just want to encourage you again. Share your story. Share your story. Your story will encourage others that they're not alone. It'll help them to understand the power of God at work in every circumstance. And it'll give others permission to say, I'm not okay. Share your story. You know, in just a minute, we are going to do just that. I'm going to give you the opportunity to put your hand up and say, I'm struggling right now. And we're going to have a prayer team that will pray for you. But before we do that, some of you right now might be sitting with a deep loneliness and a pain in your heart that's not coming because you're not part of community, but it's coming because you don't yet know the love of Jesus. You haven't said yes to Jesus' invitation as he welcomes you into family. You haven't acknowledged what Jesus has carried for you already on the cross. He carries our sin and our pain and through his death on the cross by him allowing that cross to hold his hands up he overcame death and he made a way for us forever to be in relationship with him 
because the battles that we're facing right now, they're not the end. We know that victory is on the other side because of what Jesus did on the cross for us. But maybe you've never said yes to Jesus this morning. We're going to have a prayer come up on the screen. And I want to pray that prayer with you this morning because it is the best prayer that you will ever pray. And maybe like, like Dean, you're going, I don't get it all. I've got a lot of questions that are unanswered, but somewhere deep inside, you know this is the decision that you have to make today. Can I just encourage you, whatever your questions, if that's you, if that's the longing in your heart, just do it afraid. Just say yes. 40 years I've been a Christian and I'm still learning and I'm still growing. And I tell you what, it's an awesome ride. But it needs to start with a yes. Yes, Jesus, I choose to make you my Lord and Saviour. Now, we often in this place get everybody to close their eyes and ask you to put up your hand. But this morning, now I'm saying we need to be a community that puts our hand up and asks for help. And I'm going to ask you in just a minute, if this is you, we're not going to close our eyes. I'm just going to ask you to have the courage to put your hand up and say, I need Jesus. I need Jesus. Because we want to celebrate with you. We want to cheer you on as you come into family, as you come into the family of God this morning. But it takes courage incredible amount of courage, but know that we are standing with you. We are so excited to welcome you in. If that is you this morning, right now, wherever you are sitting, can I encourage you to put your hand nice and high if you want to say, yes, Jesus, I'm in. I want to accept you as my Lord and Saviour. I don't want to do it alone without you anymore. Is that anybody here this morning? have the courage to put their hand up nice and high. That's cool. That's cool. Can I get everybody to stand? I encourage you to stand. I'm going to ask the prayer team to come down the front. morning. Let's start this morning of being that community of salvation, that community that's willing to have the courage to say, I'm struggling. I can't do it on my own. And actually come and allow others right now this morning to hold you up in prayer. You know, the great thing about God is that He doesn't look at us and say, oh, you know what, your problem's too small. That battle that you're facing this morning that's overwhelming you, that's too small. Don't bother coming down the front. That's not what God says. He's omnipresent. He is there for all of us in whatever it is that we walk through. No matter how small you might think it is compared to somebody else, you are in a battle. We are in a battle from here to eternity. And if you're feeling this morning that you just need somebody right now today in this season to stand alongside you, to pray for you, to hold your hands up before God right now, why don't, why don't you come down the front with our fantastic prayer team? 
that just want to stand alongside you and lift you up. You know, this song we're about to sing, higher than the mountains that I face. Don't be thinking in your head that my mountain's just a piddly little hill. If you want somebody to stand beside you, have the courage to come and ask. Come right now as we sing. We hope you've been blessed by this message. If you've made a decision to follow Christ or would like us to pray for you, please go to gatewaybaptist.com.au and let us know.